Let's look at page 11. <laughs> Turn to page 11, please. Okay. So this is a seven-week study on the life of Christ. Uh, and if the unit one is everything changes. Jesus changes everything. Okay, who is Jesus anyway? A good man? Crazy person? A prophet? The son of God? You'll often get a strong response if you talk to other people about Jesus. Some will tell you they already know him. Some may say they want nothing to do with what you're trying to sell. Some might cry when hearing about him. Others may see it as an opportunity to debate. <clears throat> Jesus has been, has been a polarizing figure in history for centuries. Mountains of opinions will fill the landscape about who Jesus is and why he's worth talking about in the first place. Jesus' name may change the tone of a conversation, but his actions change the world. The Gospel of Mark was most likely dictated to Mark by one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, specifically. And since Peter was a man of action, his account of Jesus' life is a fast-paced examination of the things Jesus did. As we look in the opening chapters of that Gospel, we'll arrive at an incredible conclusion. Jesus changes everything. Okay, so before we look at that first question, here's some opening thoughts. From the very first chapter, Mark's Gospel is a fast-moving summary of Jesus' earthly ministry. Brief introduction to the ministry of John the Baptist, as we read in Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 8, uh, leads directly into, into the baptism of Jesus. Then Mark provided a summary of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Uh, we see that in, in chapters, in verses 13, 12 and 13 of Mark chapter 1. Using an economy of words, the stage is set. The focus fully moves from John to Jesus including Jesus' ministry of calling people, including the first disciples, to follow him. Okay, with that introduction in mind, let's look at the first question that we have. What is that first question? What great adventures are on your bucket list? Yeah, what great adventures? Does anybody have a bucket list? Yeah, you got a bucket list. All right. What great adventures are on your bucket list? I want to go to some other places in the world, like India. Okay. More of the world. Okay. Uh, my bosses are from India, and they said they like the Bahamas because the, the Bahamas climate reminds them of India's climate. Okay. Always sunny. So they spend half of the year here and half there. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, what else? 
Okay, let's continue with the paragraphs. 
There's a common misconception about the kingdom of God that, we, that many people accept, including many Christians. It's the idea that God's kingdom is something that's coming someday. That it's a place we'll go when we die. <clears throat> Way out in the future. The only trouble with that idea is that Jesus said something quite different. In his words, the kingdom of God has come now. The kingdom he was saying is right here. It's staring you in the face. When Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, it didn't mean some foul place we go when we die. Although he did talk about heaven as God's residence in other scripture passages. See John 6. 38, for example. Okay, John 6:28. 38. 38. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Let's look at three key truths about the immediacy of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is in Christ. Jesus embodies the kingdom with full authority as king. See Matthew 28, 18. Someone out there? Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Okay. The kingdom of God is powerful. It's greater than any other kingdom. 1 Corinthians 4, 20. I'm going to have that. 1 Corinthians 4.20 For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. We can participate in that powerful kingdom today. Jesus' moral prayer includes these words. Your kingdom come, your will be done. When God's will is done in our lives, we are part of God's kingdom. His power and authority guides us rather than our own. God's kingdom is here now. That's a crucial truth. A critical truth. In fact, Jesus declared that this truth demands a response on those who hear it. Repent and believe the good news. Next page. Repent is a word that gets tossed about a lot in churches, whether it has a critical, personal, almost physical meaning. It carries the image of turning from something and towards something else. Nobody stands still. We are constantly moving in one direction or another, either towards God or towards something else. Repentance is what means, repentance is what happens when we recognize we've been heading in the wrong direction and we correct our course towards the Lord. What's perhaps most remarkable about Jesus' message is that we don't turn towards an elaborate ritual or list of demands. 
but simply believe in the good news about God. This was a voluntary concept. Revolutionary. Concept in the Jewish society <laughs> run by the religious elite. They had constructed books full of rules. 680 rules in all. That did a vote were required to follow. In the, in the Pharisees' eyes, people received right standing with God, according to how perfectly they followed all of those rules. In Jesus' message, however, right standing with God comes when a person turns, when a person calls correct towards belief in Him. Too many times, repentance is hated as simply feeling sorry about what you did. That's only part of the process. Belonging to the kingdom of God name also means recognizing the standard God God demands us to live by acknowledging that we come up short of that standard and taking the necessary steps to get back on course. To become a citizen of a different country, a person has a few several prescribed steps in order to demonstrate allegiance to that country's principles and laws. Living in God's kingdom isn't much different. We turn from our old ways and submit instead to the ways of God. Belonging to God's kingdom means our entire worldview has fundamentally shifted. We no longer seek the world and its fleeting pleasures, but we seek to glorify and proclaim our King. Christ's invitation calls us to an adventure unmatched in either history or friction, and it affects us right here and right now. Jesus' instructions for entering this kingdom are simple. Repent of your sins and believe the good news that the kingdom of God is not far off or unattainable, but right in front of you, waiting for you to enter. Amen. Yes, enter. Amen. Okay. Look at that. Uh, that's a mouthful. Look at that question number two. How should we understand the connection between repentance and belief in the Christian life? How should we understand the connection? Based on what we just read, uh, how should we understand the connection between repentance and belief in the Christian life? You can pull any part of that paragraph, those paragraphs you read, to answer this question. I think, like with repentance and then belief, you have to basically start again. You go back and sort of rewind or reset. Okay. And then you have to like start your life again to me. That's how it is. Okay. And you but, repent. But as a Christian, you have repentance is mainly for Christian. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Okay, so you have to be in Christ, not to repent. 
Can you speak up so that we can hear you? <laughs> okay. To be a Christian, I think that's where repentance comes in because you have to be a Christian or believe in Christ and have to repent. And then sin is Okay. I agree. I think it's a one way street. I mean, it's. I don't think you can repent unless you believe. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of people who do believe in Jesus, but they haven't repented. Right. Um, it's not enough to just believe in him, you have to know him. Mm-hmm. And re- that involves repentance because you cannot know him until you are willing to give up yourself and uh, they go together the repentance and believing Mm -hmm. a lot of people leave out the repentance I mean there's a everywhere you go you ask people do you believe in Jesus oh yeah Mm -hmm. the vast majority will tell you they believe in Jesus but that doesn't make them Christian that's right well, Jesus said even the devils believe. Yeah, and they tremble. Mm-hmm. We don't tremble right. enough. But there has to be the repentance. Mm-hmm. But you can't repent for something if you don't believe in something. And that's, I think they go together. Yeah. yeah. What is the meaning of believe? Okay, well, Jesus said, Jesus challenged you. One of the paragraphs that says, Jesus challenges audience to repent and believe in the gospel. As Pastor J.J. said, the only way to enter God's kingdom is to repent of one's sins and believe in the good news of, God, of the kingdom. Repentance quiet requires a complete change of direction. Okay? And as Pastor J. said, a lot of people uh, don't know what that is. So now the question I'm asking is, what is the meaning of belief? Because all of us as Christians believe. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we, I want to know if we really believe the way we are. So that's why I'm asking, what is the real meaning of belief? So belief? Yeah. Because, you know, mm-hmm. yes, this is a question that's debatable. Okay, Sister Marguerite. Okay, all right. So I think belief is a head knowledge. We believe in our heads, but repentance comes from deep within our heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, repentance involves not only a head knowledge, which is believing, but it involves a turning away uh, from, you know, our past. Mm-hmm. And I know, like you say, very few people don't believe mm-hmm. up here. Mm-hmm. But few of them, not not many, believe really with all their being, with all of their heart. I mean, when you when you repent, it took me a long time to to realize all that because I thought, well, I believe in Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. but I had to be willing to turn from the way I was going and to turn. To the Lord. Mm-hmm. But again, you know something? So that answer just what that's what you say. It's not just believe, mm-hmm. but it has to go both of them go together. They go together, right? Sometimes if you uh if you really think uh, if we are Christians, 
But the things we do, why is it, you know, it's something I want to say, like, okay, okay, we, we're Christian. We believe in him. He, we know we have, he has the eyes in the light. He is the eyes in the light. He says, love your enemies. I'm just drawing an illustration. But then you say, Lord, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> it's just something about that belief. Like for the last couple of weeks, do we really believe in, you know, but that's something for us to meditate about ourselves. Do I really believe? Then we believe that I believe we say, love your enemies. Don't care what they do, I miss love. Yes. You know, I, I forget. Ah, that's another thing. <laughs> okay. Someone do something. Actually, I for years they're wearing it. You know, anyhow, that's just a thought. That's just the word. But well, I think for salvation, for salvation, there has to be the belief in God, heart wise, head wise, and then heart wise, the repentance. From there, then you trust God to help you overcome the areas in your life. You know, to forgive, to forget, to move mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. But that has nothing to do with salvation. That's right. You, you keep, because salvation is trusting, believing in Him and then repenting. Living the Christian life is trusting then the Holy Spirit that lives within you to help you overcome mm -hmm. those, those situations. Mm -hmm. But I think where we get off and where we're wrong is, and where so many today, perhaps aren't truly born again is because they believe in their head, but there's never been the repentance. There's no connection between the head and the heart. Yeah, and mm -hmm. so, and yet they say, oh, but I believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. But many will say in that day, Lord, Lord. Yes. Exactly. But he will say, I don't know you. And, and he'll say, I never knew you. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting because a lot of people will say, well, I was saved or I used to be saved. And there's no such thing. But you know, coming back again, a lot of people when they go to some of these churches with just one members, they tell the people there you say if you walk up to the thing, you know, just to get the members. And that is true. Because you know something? All my life I've ever said value is change. But when I met mother and she opened that book and made my father get time back, that's when I walk up from I can change. You know what I mean? When I read that Bible for myself and she sit me down because I used to be running to every church, you know, going to church and everything, you know. But when I get into the Word, she said, no, Brenda, it's the, it don't go that way. Your allegiance is get into the Word. Mm -hmm. And when you get into the Word and God starts speaking to you, Plenty of these church without these thousands and millions of people is with wouldn't be in church. Let me let me wrap it up in the third um, the second paragraph uh, that we read. It says what's what's second paragraph we read was what's perhaps most remarkable about Jesus' message is that we don't turn toward an elaborate ritual of list of demands but simply belief in the good news about God. This was a revolutionary concept in a Jewish society run by the religious elite. They had constructed books full of rules 
613 ruled in all that the devout were required to follow. <laughs> in the Pharisees' eyes, people received right standing with God according to how perfectly they followed all of those rules. In Jesus' message, however, right standing with God comes when a person's course corrects toward belief in him. And the key there is belief. Question number three. How has the gospel been good news in your life? Good question, eh? How has the gospel been good news? Revolutionary is a good word, right? Revolutionary change. Okay. And then all of a sudden, you find out the people which you like use it because you don't you you don't speak the same language no more. Could you say that's the best news ever? Yes. yes. Free. And it's free. And it's free. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. associate free with mediocrity. Yes. And and not good at all. Okay, and I think that's one of the the, the, the things that the devil uses to uh, trip people up. Okay, we've seen Jesus' general call to repent and believe the gospel. As we move to verses 16 to 20, we'll see Jesus specifically call individuals to join his ministry and build his kingdom. So let's look at those verses. 16 to 20. As he passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, putting their nets in order. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This wasn't the first time Simon and Andrew had encountered Jesus. Andrew initially was a disciple of John the Baptist. On one occasion, when Andrew and another of his followers were present, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and identified him as the Lamb of God, the one he had baptized the day before. Hearing this, Andrew and another of John's disciples immediately left to follow Jesus. John 1, 37 Okay, uh, then John just testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to be, sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one whom you saw, the one whom you see, the Spirit descend and rest on, is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Okay, continue reading. After spending all day with Jesus, Andrew sprinted home to his brother Simon. Andrew told his brother that he had just spent all day with the man John had been telling them about. The Messiah. 
John 1, 40, 41. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew sent Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Andrew quickly took Simon to meet this new rabbi. As soon as Jesus saw Andrew's brother, he told him, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Next page. Therefore, when we read Mark 1, we know Simon and Andrew were aware of Jesus. Even though through brief encounters, Jesus had revealed himself uniquely to these two brothers. Similarly, Jesus continues to reveal himself to us every day in at least two ways. Creation. Psalm 19 verse 1 tells us, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Paul wrote in Romans 1, 19-20, that what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world. Scripture. We have something even more remarkable at our disposal, the Word of God. The collection of Scripture that we can hold in our hand cries out the majesty and lordship of Jesus Christ on every page. When Jesus called Simon and Andrew to follow him, he didn't give them a new assignment that was unfamiliar to them. He equated it with something they knew very knew well. Fishing. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Of course, this was a still an invitation into the unknown, following a rabbi who, at this point, had given them no instructions beyond, follow me. A short time later, Jesus came upon James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and he also called them to follow him. They did. For three years, these men followed Jesus and walked closely with him. After Jesus ascended and sent his Holy Spirit, these four men, along with the other disciples, went in unique directions to do what God called them to do. But underneath it all was a common call, follow me. The call to Jesus has never been limited to Peter, Andrew, James, and John. It is a universal call to us all. Jesus also calls us to repent, believing him as the Son of God and follow him. That call begins the greatest fishing adventure we could ever dream of undertaking. Amen to that. The greatest fishing adventure we could ever undertake. Uh, let's look at that um, activity there uh, on page 17. Uh, there are four photographs there, four pictures. Um, which of those uh, pictures, which of those images below uh, represent the element of God's kingdom from your perspective? Of the four. People, people, right? Why? 
Souls. Okay. Okay, the kingdom is made up of souls, right? All right. Everybody agree on that one? Or you have another one that you would favor, that you would say represents the kingdom? Could be the first one. The map? Because that represents all over the world and all the people as well. Okay. The map, okay. This mansion as well, because it's majestic. Okay, the majesty of the mansion. Okay, Jesus said, in my house there are many mansions. They go to prepare a place for you. So, okay, that one could do it. Okay, let's look again at that bullet list on page 19. Two specific ways Jesus reveals himself to us today. In creation. Do we think of Jesus when we look at the elements of creation today? When we look at the magnificence of of creation. What is the first thing that comes to mind? It could only be God because how these things could just evolve and come to change. Nature. All of us aren't just like the same. Clones. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody would be the same if it's just like the evolve. Okay. Is that does that first comes to mind when you see something in nature that's fantastic and like magnificent? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims His handiwork. Okay, that should be the verse that always comes to mind whenever we see something in nature that's magnificent and outstanding. Or you can even use the word, you know, some people use that word awesome, really, too much for everything. Rainbow, okay. Okay. And then Paul uh, wrote in Romans 19, 1, 19, 20, uh, what can be known about God is plain to them. <clears throat> How? Because God has shown it to them. How? For his invisible attributes, <coughs> namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. You believe that? That is so evident. You know, sometimes you, you wonder how people don't get it, right? Because the voice is clear. It says, God has shown it to them. It says, what can be known about God is plain to them. Why is it plain? Because God has shown it to them. Whereas invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have, have been clearly perceived. And so, not many people can claim ignorance. Because the Bible says God showed it to them, He made it clear. And then the other element of the two is Scripture. We have something even more remarkable at our disposal: the Word of God, the collection of Scripture <coughs> that can hold that we can hold in our hand, cries out the majesty and lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ on every single page. And you know, there are some cultures where they don't have the Word of God, they get a Bible and they tear out the pages, and this person get a page, and that person get a page, and that's how much they cherish it. And yet, there are some of us who got multiple Bibles on the shelf gathering dust and don't read them. And there are people who we know could use them. Okay, question number four. Uh, time is really gone here. What are the lifelong implications of accepting Jesus' call to follow him? The lifelong implications. I think you have an anchor. 
And I go. So you always have something to fall back on. You don't have to do this thing by yourself. Okay. You're not alone. Get an anchor. Anyone else? He is all that we will ever need. He is all that we will ever need. Okay, we have another passage. Uh, verses 19 to 20. Have we read that already? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Question number five then. Let's be wrap on. What have you left behind in order to follow Jesus? <laughs> it's an obvious question, right? You might ask what you didn't leave behind. <laughs> okay. We had a kind of a funny leaving behind. When we left in the, I guess, early 60s to go to Mission Field. Well, my mother had always said, when she first, when we first told her that we were going to the Mission Field, she says, well, I guess I'll be dead before y'all ever get back. Oh, that is her comment. Wow. So the day that we, we boarded, we boarded a bus because we were in North Carolina to go to Florida and catch a plane. My son Clay was just a toddler. I mean, I, I guess about four years old. I can't remember <laughs> when he went to say when he went to say bye to my mother. He said, "Well, Mama, you'll be dead when we get back." Wow! Took it literally, eh? No, my brother. Why not? She does that. <laughs> How did she take that? How did she, she take it? it? She just laughed. She didn't know what to say. But you know what? She not only we not only came back, you know, on furlough, and but she was able to come. And visit us. Wow. When we when we completed our first church building, she she and my aunt came to the dedication. Oh, where was so that? you know, it church was it was, a, it was a okay. good thing. Wow, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Okay. We came home several times. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> okay, the point again. <laughs> the point again, following Jesus is a life-changing adventure, and you're invited. Okay, let's look at how we live this out. Uh, page 20. How will you respond to Jesus' call in your life this week? Keep in mind the following suggestions. Consider. Spend a few minutes of reflection. Are you walking toward God or away from Him? As honestly as possible, weigh your actions to see if they align with Christ's call to follow Him. Time of reflection there. Correct. Identify something about yourself that needs to change and then take intentional steps, specific steps, to change it. Seek help whenever necessary. And then cast. 
Jesus calls Jesus called you to fish for people. So fish as the disciples would have done, with a wide net, cast it far and wide, leaving the results of your casting up to God. So you got three of those choices to choose from. Consider, correct, or cast. In the adventure Jesus calls us to, we won't always know the direction we're headed, but we'll always know the one to follow. Following Jesus is an adventure that leads straight to the arms of who? God the Father. Alright, there's no doubt about where the destination is when you follow Jesus. Amen. <laughs>